0: My name is Sultry Miss M. I'm based in Calgary, Alberta, and I do primarily online sex work with an emphasis on domination. I dabbled a bit in university like almost 20 years ago uh, with some in-person stuff and online stuff even back then. I didn't really understand what I was doing. It was just kind of something fun to try because I was curious. I started here in the fall of 2014, September, Uh, a little bit of background on that. My partner and I had moved into a space with another couple, it didn't work out and we had to ask them to leave and so our bills got really big and uh, it was a little tight with the day job I was working and a friend suggested that she thought I might be really good at this. She had done webcam modeling for a while. So she sort of introduced me to the site she worked on, gave me some tips and tricks, and I did it part-time for about three, four months. Decided I was really good at it and I loved it and I quit my day job. And so it is actually six years full-time this month. There are those of us who have multiple diplomas on the wall and choose this work because it's fun. It gives us a lot of freedom, both in time and activities. And I don't have to put up, like I worked in customer service and I had to put up with so much crap and so much abuse from so many people. Well, now when somebody's lippy, they get blocked, they get banned and they get a hell of a lecture beforehand. And they get to realize that you have to talk to other people like their people. When you look at, say, a uh, sex worker's profile on Twitter and you, you really kind of dive into it and you realize we do all our own bookkeeping tax type stuff, we do like and income tracking we do all our own marketing we do all our own creative we're doing the photo shoots we're doing the hair the makeup the outfits the setting of the backgrounds the taking of the pictures the editing of the pictures we're having to write copy constantly to go with ads and videos and pictures um like we do everything ourselves when you look at kind of any small business we're doing all of that and it's such a Physical, emotional, and mental job because you can't just do one of those three. You can, you're probably not going to have the same long-term success if you're not committed to all three of those aspects. It's going to be a shorter kind of job than a long-term career. I'm in a couple different group chat type things or video just like support group kind of things with other sex workers and this is a conversation we have quite frequently is when you're feeling down or you're feeling frustrated is sit down and make a list and look at all the skills you've learned and then look at all the different ways you could use those in all the different industries and you can get lists of like hundreds of things like i mean i could take my ability to communicate and get other people to communicate their needs to me alone just that little part and there's so many jobs I could get into with or without more schooling. Then the creative aspect and the business running aspect, the self-marketing, not to mention how to find balance. There's a huge fear of missing out when you work for yourself and you work in sex work. It can be really easy to find yourself working 16 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's how to watch out for burnout. It's how to make sure you're finding balance. It's how to accept that I don't have to work all the time and I have to take time for me. So there's so many different parts to it all. I believe at this point, this is my lifelong career. Um, I think, I like to joke I'm building an empire and that continues to be my goal. And yes, I do have a lot of other skills, but there's no other job on the planet that I get to use all of my skills at once. Any other job would take two or three of those in little bits and the rest would fall flat. I watched the online industry go through huge shifts because all of a sudden, now the industry is being inundated from both sides. And by both sides, I mean both clients and providers. So a lot of providers that traditionally were doing in-person work or maybe had sort of dabbled in online, now found themselves fully jumping on board in the online world. Both people that had been in sex work before and people who had never touched sex work, this always kind of draws in people that are looking for quick and easy money. They don't last, but there is that idea that that's what it is. So the industry got inundated with a lot of new providers. At the same time, with more and more people from working from home, There was actually way more demand for the industry as well, because now people could jump on a campsite and quickly jerk off while they're on their break, while at home who maybe weren't brave enough to do that in the office, although there's plenty of that are. So for a while, I would say the first three or four months it was a really interesting shift there was a lot of educating new clients on how it kind of worked when they would come on the campsite or contact for direct services i have done a lot of teaching actually over the past two and a half years of classes called passive income in which i've actually taught a lot of in-person sex workers how to work online so it was actually wonderful because a number of the ladies that had taken my class prior Kind of felt like they had the background information and the baseline understanding and found it really easy to make that transition. They said it would have been a lot harder if they were just going in blind and had no idea kind of how a lot of the common sites work and things like that. So that was actually really neat to know that the things that I'd been teaching people as passive income and possible future retirement income type ideas came into play really fast. And so that was really neat. And then the industry shifted after about four to six months. All those, I call them newbies, that came in and wanted to do sex work, realized that it's not fast, it's not easy, and it's actually a ridiculous amount of work and you have to have really thick skin to deal with the number of trolls and stigma and abuse that goes along with this type of work. And so they kind of start falling out. Now, then we had a bubble of about three months where there were less providers, but there were still lots of clients. And then it was in that kind of nine months or so after the pandemic hit, I would say March has kind of the starting point. We're kind of the trickle down in the economy. It's like the equivalent of like getting a massage or getting a pedicure. So when there's a big shift in the economy, those are kind of the businesses that eventually feel the effects because people just don't have extra spending money. They're tightening their belts, they're spending only on necessities. And so we've started to notice that shift now coinciding with the end of January and most of February are usually very slow and quiet months for online. As Christmas bills are coming in, people are setting new resolutions that they're not going to spend as much online until they get over that in March and then everyone kind of comes back. So it's an interesting wave and I think that because I've been in this so long, I could kind of see it coming and how it would also fit with the other ebbs and flows of the year that normally happen with online industry. Just because so many people are out of work, there's just a little bit less of that extra money. Yet, at the same time, a lot of sex workers provide an escape from reality. And so there is actually a lot of people that do prioritize the spending that they use on that because When the world is chaotic and life is super stressful, we all need to have somewhere we can escape that from every now and then. And for some people it's drinking or drugs or gambling or that kind of stuff. And for other people, it's escaping into a fun sexual fantasy or we're also meeting a lot of the loneliness needs as people are much more isolated right now because of the pandemic. There has been an increase in people who just want to feel companionship in a connection even through a digital world, whether it's through two cameras, whether it's through them watching one camera, whether it's through phone, whether it's through girlfriend experience texting packages, so you feel like you have somebody checking in on you throughout the day and you feel that connection, that's where I think we've actually balanced out a bit because we've seen the increase in the need for connection and the decrease in having the funds for it which has equaled a much higher level of frustration for a lot of providers, because we have a lot more people that are kind of begging for free stuff and wanting to negotiate rates a lot more right now. So we have to go back and forth between whether we give into that and do compassionate things, but at the same time, honor the fact that we are working and we only have so much emotional energy to put into it and need to be compensated for it. I recently partook in a panel that was involving first-year medical students at the University of Calgary. They each got to choose kind of a minority group uh, that they would connect with through different agencies in the city. And so these people wanted to learn more about how they could be better doctors for sex workers. And I've done this panel before, but this year what was different was that this was the main focus, was helping them understand that we are healthcare practitioners as much as a masseuse as much as a physiotherapist, as much as any kind of doctor because we're covering sexual health, we're covering general connection, human touch needs. We're also therapists to a great number of our clients in any various number of ways and we end up having a lot of times really long-term relationships. I often find it easier for people to understand things if I compare it to something in their day-to-day life. I use a lot of examples on, say on CAM, to going to a restaurant, guys that want to come in and just sit. Well, Would you go to a restaurant and expect the waitress to stand and talk to you for an hour and ignore all her other tables? No, you wouldn't, that would be silly. Would you call a plumber and ask them to explain what to do and then refuse to pay for their services? No, you wouldn't, that would be silly. Also, a lot of times I get people that have some guilt or yeah guilt is probably the right word about seeing a provider um, especially if they're in a happy marriage but they have needs that aren't being met in that marriage and the way I usually equate it is you go to a professional for a haircut you go to a professional to get your teeth cleaned you go to a professional to get a massage if your back is messed up you go to a professional to have needs in your life that aren't met by the people that are currently in your life and we're no different I, I have people that have been seeing me regularly since the first week I started on camera. And some of them, I've, I have subs all over the world that have been serving me regularly for many years in different capacities. Because whether it's digitally or whether it's in person, sex workers are that place that people can go. We're the partner that's not nagging all the time. We're the, like the fun parents. So in a divorce, there's always the one person that, that has to be, you know, in charge and disciplinary and then there's kind of like the parent that maybe only sees them every other weekend and it's usually for fun activities we're like that if you look at between a wife and a sex work provider we don't have to be part of your reality we're an escape from reality but we're also meeting those needs that you're not getting met at home whether it's physical or whether it's emotional we're that space for you to go and i think people are often surprised to hear about how in-depth the connection between sex worker, service provider, and a client can be. Again, whether it's in person or whether it's digital, you're sharing deep, intimate parts of yourself, especially for someone like myself who specializes in a lot of unique fetishes and kink work. These are people that have been told their whole life or felt their whole life a lot of shame around what either arouses them or gets them off, and they have a space to explore that with no judgment a big part of what i promote is that i offer a judgment-free space i'm not going to work with every fetish but even if i get one that makes me really uncomfortable i'm never going to make them feel shame for it i'm just going to say i'm not the right person for you and i wish you luck in finding whoever is but it's why i have so many regulars because they get to take the mask off they get to get rid of the shame and they just get to give in and feel pleasure and acceptance with nothing else and it's just that and so they get to be their authentic selves in a way that they usually can't with other people even lifelong partners that they're very much in love with there may be a kink that they're just too ashamed to talk because they don't want their partner's vision of them to change i have been one of the people who a number of years ago was um kicked off and lifetime banned from paypal um I mean, I would talk even more a little bit towards the platforms like to use sex workers to get really big and then kick us off. We've seen it in Tumblr, we've seen it in PayPal, Patreon has done it, and I'm a firm believer that it's coming very soon in OnlyFans. I will be surprised if OnlyFans is an adult platform by the end of this year, just based on my personal experiences and watching the way things change. These platforms are super pro letting sex workers use them while they get really, really big. And then as soon as they're big enough and they get enough mainstream attention, they drop us and ban us. Um, And we've watched this happen with an unbelievable number of different platforms, everything from social media to payment processors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Yeah, you see Instagram's cracking down on what they consider nudity. It's totally fine if a Kardashian has nipples and ass cheeks out, but sex workers get banned for being in fully covered lingerie. Um, There's a lot going on with Twitter right now that goes back to potential lawsuits around SESTA-FOSTA and child pornography issues. Um, There's a lot happening right now that we're kind of all living under this fear bubble and waiting to see where it's gonna land. Um, But yes, the discrimination is very real so visa and mastercard have a lot of rules as to what they will and will not let people accept payment for what is frustrating is that every clip site so if i'm looking at like i want clips many vids clips for sale ap clips any of those they all take visa and mastercard they all have different lists of restricted terms actions and what is acceptable so when we're working through a site and accepting payments so if i put up videos or audio files that i'm selling they sell on the site i get a percentage that's the way most people do it sites take anywhere from 20 to 50 percent of the payments to be able to host through them Now, if you're looking at trying to do things a bit more independently, like if I wanna sell clips directly through my website and I wanna be able to do it in what I call a passive income way, so I'm not actively involved. If I was actively involved, it would say, they would send me a message and say, I want this clip. They would send me payment. I would send them say a link to a Dropbox or a box.com or a, a Google Drive or something, and they would get it. But I have to be actively involved in that transaction. So it's limited as to the hours I can make those sales. If I want a passive income where they just click, like on a clip site, it's available 24 seven, things like that. Now, a lot of people, they would love to sell directly to clients, whether it's clips, whether it's phone calls, texting packages, video sessions, anything like that you can potentially get a higher percentage if someone pays you directly. Now, if someone's paying you directly in the same country you live in, you have a lot more options. Here in Canada, e-transfer is very convenient, unless of course your bank accounts are shared with spouses who don't know what you're doing. Um, In the States, they've they've had over the years, like there's been Google Wallet and there's Gift Rocket and there's Venmo and there's all these different things because they don't have an e-transfer system in the States. Although all of those don't allow adult content, So if they find out you're using it for sex work content, you're in trouble. Now the biggest for me is because I sell internationally, is trying to get funds internationally. Once upon a time I did use PayPal. I knew full well that it was against the rules so I didn't keep much money in it. And when they contacted me and said, we're shutting down your account, I had no problem and I was actually really nice to them and I got the money out that was sitting there. I just had to wait three months to make sure there weren't gonna be any chargebacks. I now have a permaban from PayPal four different email addresses, four different bank accounts, and two of them are for vanilla businesses, but they found it because they search IP addresses. So it can not only just screw up your sex work stuff, if you have other businesses, you can get in trouble too, but it's that getting the money across the border, especially when you don't want them to know your legal name. So, you know, sending Western Union, yeah, you're gonna lose out on fees, but they have to send to a legal name, sending checks in the mail, Um, Cross-border bank transfers are usually about $50 a pop if you want them to do a transfer. So that's the biggest area that we really struggle. Um, Crypto is building up popularity in the sex work community. Personally, it makes me really uncomfortable and I'm not a fan of it, but it is growing as a way to have that happen. I have concerns that it's gonna be another one of those things that grows on sex work and then we get chopped off at the knees again. So it'll just be a wait and see. I think there's probably a good couple years before that is gonna happen if it happens. But yeah, I think that's probably another big one. Another one would be renting apartment space They want to know where you work, they want letters from your employers, they want your bank records, they want to see pay stubs. Well, when you work either being paid from, like I do, paid from various companies via check or payment, I don't have an employer to give a letter from, they want all this information, I have a hole in my resume for six years if I wanted to get back into kind of the vanilla world or civilian world. These are areas that we also are concerned. I know many ladies that have been kicked out of their apartments, either that they were rent for work or that they live in because they've been outed. And landlords just have all these stigma ideas about what sex workers are like and therefore, so you can get kicked out of your house. Not able to get your money. In the States, it's a big issue with bank accounts. People get their bank accounts closed on them all the time. We're not a group that is protected under the Charter. We've watched changes in the last 50, 60 years on people being added with gay people, with trans people, all these like these groups are being added. So that these are groups that went through these same situations. They risked losing housing, losing jobs, and they still do, but not quite to the same extent because they're now protected in their rights, whereas we're not. So we have risks. There's the risk of people getting outed to their families and having to deal with being cut off and disowned from families. Lots of different, lots of different areas that are covered. It's having open and honest conversations, it's having it be normalized, and it's having us be humanized. I've been a pretty big advocate and have had a number of trans partners over the years. And so I do see some similarities um, kind of in the fights for rights in the sense that you know, 10 years ago, trans people were only ever the butt of a joke in the media. Sex workers are still 80% just the butt of a joke in the media. But we've watched the changes happen. There's been a shift in the media, more people coming out and being comfortable with talking about their identity has humanized people. It's a lot easier to stigmatize a group of people when you don't know someone that fits into it and it's an us versus them mentality. When you know somebody who is a sex worker, it's a lot harder to make dead hooker jokes. It's so many levels. It's sex workers being brave enough to go face out and be advocates for their community knowing full well the amount of abuse they're going to take because we're still at that shifting place. It's clients not being afraid to speak out against jokes and disparaging comments. It's the media shifting their perspective and actually talking to sex workers. The last thing we need is another documentary old white women trying to save sex workers because they think that we're all victims and They refuse to actually talk to the people involved and understand some of us love this work and believe we were meant to do this work because we are actually incredibly healing to a lot of people. And then it's gonna be, it's things like talking to doctors, talking to anybody that we interact with and understanding that we're humans, we're doing a job, we are a business and it is work. Just because somebody has sex for free and somebody has sex for money, it makes no sense that one is okay and one is not. I mean, it's also, sex work is a huge fuck you to the patriarchy. It's women taking back the power. Men have been so used to women being available to them for sexuality for a very many years. And part of that being viewed as an object and something to use and something to control. And when women come together and feel empowered by sex work and not everybody does, there are a lot of survival sex workers. There are sex workers who hate what they do, but they know that it's the money they need right now, or it's the situation that allows them time off for X, Y, Z. But for those of us who find it empowering, We get to take control and choose how our sexuality is used and not have it used against us. And that's a really big part of it for a lot of people. My hope is that when these people come to sex workers and they get treated with so much respect and acceptance, that, you know, the next time they're at a party and somebody makes a disparaging dead hooker joke, maybe they'll speak up. I don't expect everybody will, but my hope, and I do have these conversations with them sometimes, is you guys need to be the ones that are making the change. I'm not saying you have to admit it, I that you go and see people. I know that our world's not necessarily ready for that yet, because there's a lot of judgment on people who use the services of sex workers. But you know, it's it's those small moments where they have that chance then to shift somebody else's perspective and maybe humanize a sex worker a little bit and hoping that over time, between that and the very slow shift we're starting to see in the media towards being able to separate sex work from sex trafficking and not every story has to be a victim, those small shifts are what is going to actually continue to make that difference in the world. This episode of I'm an Accountant, Sex Work in a New Age was created and produced by me, Sarah Ladenbach. The content and imagery used in this interview have been given to me with explicit consent by the interviewee. Sultry Miss M's links can be found in the description of this episode. For a list of sex work organizations, including sex worker support groups, please see the links in the description of this episode. Support your local sex work organizations in any way that you can, whether it be by donations or simply reading their material.